Like nostalgic movie review from Nerdy Married Man. Well, hello. Welcome back. back. Yes. Or welcome for the first time, or however many times you've been here listening to us. This is a new and nostalgic movie reviews. I'm David. And I'm Steven. And uh, last week, if you joined us, we did the video game adaptation Resident Evil. Yes. And this week, we are doing Steven's wife's pick. Yep, we have this poster that we got uh, when we first got married. It's the 1500 movies you must watch before you die. Mm -hmm. And she really didn't know what to pick for her choice of movie. So she decided, let's go completely random. She closed her eyes and went and popped her finger on it and landed on Ivan's Childhood. Also known as My Name is Ivan. Uh, It is a Russian slash German film that's filmed in the Ukraine. It's made in 1963, depending on where you look. Some places say 1962. And then it is an hour and 35-ish minutes long. Yes. Um, Rotten Tomato score for this. Critics have it as 100%. Audience has it as a 93%. All right. And then the synopsis. Yes. When Nazi invaders destroy his Russian village and kill his family, 12-year-old Ivan is placed in a German prison camp. Ivan escapes from the camp and crosses back over to Russia and comes under the care of Captain Colin, who wants to send Ivan to military school. Ivan refuses, requesting that he be allowed to use his powers of stealth to return to the German re- ah, return to Germany to spy on the Nazis and avenge the killing of his family. So it's a very interesting like period piece about like World War II, and it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, the casting for this movie, I'm really not going to go into the names because I really don't want to butcher these names. Uh, they're all Russian names. They're very hard for us to pronounce, and we know so, we're going to do bad on it. So we're just going to talk about the characters. <laughs> uh, but the characters' names, you know, of course, there's the main kid, Ivan uh, Bondarev, and then there is also. Colin, which is like the person that has been looking after Ivan. And then he has a couple other soldiers that have been helping him. That is Galtsev and Karasanov. It was a very interesting movie. I kind of, it, it's very different from what we usually watch. Yeah. It's definitely uh, the oldest movie we've look, looked at. And uh, I guess, how did this movie make you feel, Steve? This movie is very hard to follow. And as there is some interesting, like, cinematography stuff in this movie, and especially the stuff like in the, birch forest and they tried doing a lot of first person view kind of takes and shots in this movie that i thought were kind of interesting especially for this time you didn't really see that a lot and i could definitely tell that there's a lot of things that i missed in this movie on first watch and doing some more research afterwards i definitely feel like there's just a lot that i feel like if you know a lot about world war ii and the things that were happening around these times and a lot of the culture and some of the things that are shown in this that i didn't get you might enjoy this a lot more for me this one was a little weird but it wasn't like a terrible movie by any means so how would you like rate it on your list of would you buy it would you watch it would you tell people maybe not to even bother i would say if you are interested in these period pieces it's probably worth at least a watch stream it somewhere or if you're like super interested in it i think it's like three dollars rent on amazon prime but for me i'd say for most people i'd probably say it's probably not worth a watch okay uh i i think the movie was quite an interesting perspective on world war ii a lot of those war movies you know you see a lot of uh time perspective from like the american forces and the u.s side against germany so i kind of liked seeing the russian perspective on it 
kind of crossing the borders to Germany. And I don't know, it was a really cool take on it. Uh, I think the movie is worth a rent. I think it's it's a very thought-provoking movie for me. I definitely understand where you're coming from. Like, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Yes. I do think it is worth at least one viewing because you get the cool cinematography from in the 60s and it's a really cool perspective. And on just the history involved in the movie, I just found very enthralling. Well, yeah. And going back and looking at more like researching this film and Mm -hmm. really seeing like some of the imagery and the symbolism and the things that I didn't capture, I actually found some of those things like really interesting. And then like looking back at it, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense and it makes it a lot more intriguing. But as a first time watch with no knowledge of most of this stuff, mm-hmm. I was just outside of the movie. Like, what's going on? I had a very similar time watching it. I mean, uh, it was very confusing at times. I, you know, found myself lost at some points. But uh, I mean, I was able to get like the gist of the story. But there are definitely some parts I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So, yeah. but um, I don't. I enjoyed looking into the research of the movie after watching it and it made me i think appreciate it more for what they were going for for sure uh so before we move on to spoilers talk about next week's movie which is uh my wife's pick uh she chose mr holland's opus yes cool movie about a uh, music teacher uh trying to write music and also learn how to teach so weirdly enough we did not tell us this like as a theme to either of our wives but both of our wives randomly picked movies they had never seen and we had never seen yeah so, so really this cool. was really cool in that aspect and we're just like wow we didn't even have a theme but we ended up having a theme they were movies that all four of us had never seen yeah so uh, check out mr holland's opus right now it's streaming on disney plus and you could also you know probably rent it somewhere but uh, yeah it's on voodoo and prime for four dollars so definitely check it out and we'll see you next week at that and now on to the spoilers. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, like I said earlier, this is a very interesting movie. Some of the things that made it hard for me to watch, there are a lot of like strange cuts in between scenes and yeah. like fades and stuff. That, and they also put like some sound bites in there that are transitional and it just didn't really work well for me. It was kind of jarring at times. Hard to follow and understand the threads of the story. Yeah. Some of the things in this movie, too, like the opening scene, looking back, this movie actually won like three different awards from three different film festivals. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people look at this as a poetic masterpiece of symbolism and poetic nature of what this film was supposed to be. And it doesn't really indicate a lot of those things to people who don't know the knowledge of this time period. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it got like really interesting to me because like, I I really just didn't understand a lot of this. And this inter- beginning scene starts out with this kid and he's kind of just like running around and he's just like happy and laughing and it's all sunny. And then all of a sudden he starts flying and the way they made the flying look, I mean, for the sixties was kind of interesting. Kind of liked the, uh, the way they did it kind of yeah. look like he was weightless and you only see from like his chest up. Yeah. So I've uh, seen him and then they do a cool POV perspective of like the trees kind of rising, the camera rising over the trees. And then he goes um, and he lands in front of his mom and his mom puts down a pail of water and he starts drinking the water from the pail. And then all of a sudden, like his mom wipes his brow and he wakes up and he's in the middle of this war scene in the w- middle of World War Two. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell like he's dealing with some stuff and 
he's had loss and he's got all these things where he keeps visualizing his past with his mom who was actually killed by the Germans. Yeah. Killed in the war. And <laughs> there are a lot of like those, they're like PTSD dream sequences where it shows him like longing for his ideal life compared to what he has. Like he's wanting his mother, his friends, his family and like childhood yeah. because he's suffered through all of these tragedies and he's forced to become an adult and help the Russian military. I found the opening scene after he wakes up from that dream so intriguing because he goes and he finds his some other soldiers to give some information to the top soldier he'd been talking to which was Poland mm-hmm. uh and it, it was just really cool interesting with their chemistry like i felt like the characters kind of worked well together and built off of each other at least the main characters yeah characters. well and i i really did like that first couple scenes too especially like when he's talking to that soldier and he's like i need you to call number 51 right now and tell him uh Barandavov or whatever his name was is yeah, here Bondarev. Bondarev is here and you just i'm not going to tell you any other information you just call number 51 he's first of all he calls number three which all of their military ranks are ranked by also they have like number codes for each one of them yeah which obviously for like spy reasons stuff made a lot of sense we're not using names so i thought that was kind of a really like cool introspective look into that mm-hmm and then he finally calls the person he's supposed to call and he's like wait he's there alone well give him a pen of paper have him write down everything he knows send me that stuff do not look at it do not do anything and he's like who is this kid <laughs> like this kid seems like he was like way ahead of his time with how adult he was and how he was just like nope i you need to listen to me i don't care what your rank is I report only to this guy. You shut the fuck up and you yeah, listen like, to me. <laughs> it's so interesting how, yeah, th- this 12-year-old boy is acting like he's James Bond, uh, <laughs> you know, the leader of MI6, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. I, I just think it's definitely worth checking out for that alone, uh, just because Ivan is such a cool character. Yeah, I do think the kid that played Ivan did do a really good job, honestly. Like, there was a lot of times with the way he was acting that it did just seem like he had gone through some stuff. And he is older than he looks mentally because of the things that he's gone through. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I do think is a downfall for this movie, though, is I kind of wish they would have showed the camp a little bit. The German uh, death camp that he was stuck in. and And the one that he escaped from. Because I think that those are interesting things. And I know it probably would have cost it fun back in the time or whatever for it yeah and there's probably reasons why they didn't do that but for me as a person especially with today's movies with seeing so much of things i really wanted to see him breaking out of that and we didn't learn that he broke out of that prison camp until like halfway through the movie i think yeah so yeah probably like yeah like a third to a halfway through yeah uh and i mean i can understand why they probably didn't show the prison camp because i mean it, it's it is tough stuff to look at but i mean they also I think focused their budget on some other things. Like yeah. even the director himself uh, showed real footage of the war in occupied Berlin during the movie. And it actually shows some of the real dead bodies of people that worked for Hitler and like a burnt corpse and stuff. So it's yeah, definitely, it like, if you're, if you're concerned about seeing a real dead body, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. For sure. Yeah. I think it had like one of Hitler's like, 
uh, people that really helped him with his propaganda or something like but it showed uh his burnt corpse his burnt corpse and all of his dead children next to him so yeah it's it's, it definitely has some powerful imagery that is and finding out those were real footage made it that much cooler. Like, I know it's hard to see some of those things for some people and stuff like that, but to the same extent, actually having war footage in your war film, like David said, just has a little level of authenticity to it. Absolutely. And for people who like these period pieces during this time, I think you might enjoy that. Yes, definitely. And then I know doing the research, I know you looked up some of the stuff about the yeah. symbolic injury or imagery uh, where... Throughout the movie, it shows a lot of bells, water, and fire, which symbolize... Uh, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. There's some old imagery from like the 1400s, almost 1500s in their culture, where they actually had the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse being bell, water, fire, and death. And so they always had these bell, water, fire, and death be such a huge symbolic piece throughout the entire movie. There was always a ton of ringing of the bells. There was always water dripping in a lot of scenes and for me like i i didn't understand at first why they had the water dripping be so loud and so prominent in a lot of their scenes Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of times where i'm like where is this water coming from but i didn't realize it was because they're symbolizing like death is coming see i think that just makes the movie that much more interesting just after doing the research and knowing that's the imagery and the kind of symbolism they were going for it just it made it so much more exciting. I, I don't know if exciting is the right word, but the the movie intriguing. Just, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, first watch through, it, it's very confusing. Just not really sure what's going on. But I think after researching what a lot of the stuff meant throughout the movie, made it more interesting. There's, yeah, the images that I was talking about are Elbrick's Dwerer, Dwerer's fourteen ninety eight woodcut of his Four Horsemen in the Apocalypse. And I know I probably did not say that right. Forgive me for how I pronounced that. There's also imagery with the beautiful chessboard of birch trees throughout this, which symbolized the ill-fated Colin and Ivan not being able to survive and experience love and happiness. Oh, okay. That makes sense. (laughs) And I really loved all the birch forest scenes and stuff. I thought those were really cool, even though... Beautifully shot movie. For me, I think the character of Masha was very much, like, weird to have in there. Like, it didn't make sense why she was there, besides just saying, like, we don't want women in war. But, like, I didn't understand who she was. I didn't understand if she was a spy or if she was a lieutenant or if she was, like, just some person in the medical field for them. And I know at one point they called her a lieutenant but uh-huh. they also kept saying that she was going to be working in the hospitals yeah. for the military so she's like a, a military nurse or something and i don't know she she had some i guess interesting storylines where like there's these little uh faint signs of romance and stuff but i think if you took every masha scene in the movie and cut her out of it it would not change the movie no as it a wouldn't whole at all, at all. So I, I do think that that was really unnecessary. And maybe there is a bigger point to it that I don't understand. Yeah. But as of right now, I don't think her role in the movie was necessary at all. Well, and like when we're talking about some of these random scenes, like one of the random scenes, so it's just a point where she's like running through the birch forest and she's kind of having this like weird kind of half romance, half non-romance. We can't tell if she's into it or not, or if this solution is coming on to her or not. And, or if she wants it or not, but then like, she's like running around and she like touches a tree and 
she gets some cobwebs on her hand and she's like, oh, oh. And, and he's like, what's that? Oh, she's like, oh, it was just some cobwebs. Spiders are the only thing I'm afraid of. And he's like, oh, really? Spiders are the only thing you're afraid of? And there's a birch tree that's kind of like fallen over and landed on a couple other birch trees. And he's like, why don't you walk up that birch tree if you're really not afraid of anything? Prove to me that you're not afraid of anything. And she like walks up this slanted birch tree really like nonchalantly. And he's like, Wow, you really aren't afraid. You can stop now. And she just keeps going, keeps going. You can stop now. And she's like, see, I'm not afraid. And I mean, the birch tree laying at an angle, it's only like maybe six feet off the ground. So it's... Yeah, she wouldn't have really gotten hurt or anything. But yeah, her scenes were pretty unnecessary. But other than that, I just, I think all the stuff dealing with Ivan and kind of his chemistry with there's a younger soldier uh Galtsev and I just think it's really cool between them watching they don't know each other at first and just watching their relationship with each other grow as they go on and at the end Galtsev is really upset because he finds out that when Ivan went into the German side towards the end he got captured and then he actually got killed so it's just you see the distraught on his face he's yeah. just so upset yeah it, that, that was that, that was really like interesting stuff there's some other like small imagery things that i didn't notice at first like one of the things that i pointed out while watching this movie there's always this soldier that's lighting the wrong end of a cigarette he's lighting the filter end of a cigarette and it has the other end in his mouth yeah and i kept on wondering like what like no that you can't that's no who does that like why do they do that but i the more and more i actually like looked into and researched it the upside down cigarette was typically the last cigarette in a pack of cigarette for soldiers during World War II. And it was called the Lucky Strike cigarette. And this Lucky cigarette was supposed to be the last cigarette that you smoke. And a lot of times they only smoked it in times where they thought like there was a chance that they were going to die mm -hmm. as a good luck kind of thing for them. And they would light that in first. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like really unique and interesting because I was like, oh, there's actually like a reason and there's a story to it. But like, mm -hmm. it's something that I, myself, who's not really a history buff, wouldn't have ever like known. And I'm like, oh. Okay. It seemed like a big film mistake at first. Like, oh, they actually <laughs> mean something, right? Uh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say to you, like, one of my favorite lines is one between Masha and Colin. She's talking to, he's asking, like, where she's from. And she says her home is, like, 20 miles away from Moscow. And he's like, in Siberia, 200 miles is close to home. And, like, just saying how vast that country is and how big and stuff that is and how all these countries are all working together and it's like yeah you know you you might only be like this you might be this far from home but like this is how far we go away from home mm -hmm. to deal with these kind of things and i thought that was kind of an interesting thing too i was like oh yeah that's kind of crazy yeah absolutely i i don't really have much more to say about the film except you know if you're interested in the history and want to see kind of a different side of the war check it out it is a little confusing to follow sometimes and uh you know of course you're going to be reading subtitles all the time yes it's the movie mostly in russian and then a little bit in german when yes there's parts of it that just seem so confusing and like the dream sequences come in and out and like the fantasy sequences also come in and out pretty quickly and stuff mm -hmm. so there's times where you're just kind of like wait what's happening and then because it goes from like light and airy to war light and airy to war and like it doesn't really show like any gore or anything crazy like that in this movie so like if you are really worried about that kind of stuff don't be this doesn't show like soldiers getting 
killed and mutilated or anything like that. Like you see a couple of bodies, see a couple of corpses, but you don't really see anyone actually die on screen. Yeah, exactly. And so that was a really unique thing too, that it never actually showed any soldiers getting murdered yeah, in being, a war movie. <laughs> yeah, you'd think you'd see a lot more of the actual battle and stuff, but it's actually, you're seeing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and the planning and, you know, going through with all of the different scenarios yeah i yeah i think that's probably pretty much it though i don't have a ton else to say about it this movie is fairly short and there's not a lot to it besides a lot of this symbolic imagery and the very cinematography cinematography like poetic nature of the film that really showcased this kid viewing the war without knowing really what war is besides the tortures and agonies that he's seen yeah and so going into the perspective of that, I think if you know that going in, I think it's going to be a lot different and a lot better for you than if you think this is going to be a period piece World War II film with a lot of war and battle and soldiers fighting and killing each other in trench warfare, yeah. like I initially thought this movie was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out and let us know what you guys think of it. And thank you for joining us. And next week, we are talking about Mr. Holland's Opus. Yes, should be a good episode. All right. Have a good one. Love you. Bye.